Good evening, church. It's good to see you this evening. Uh, Brother Galen is taping this on a Tuesday to play for Wednesday, so it's actually election day. And that sort of fits in with what I wanted us to look at tonight. I really wanted us to look at Matthew chapter 6, specific, specifically verse 10 in the Lord's Prayer, on thy will be done. And I've entitled this, Whose Will? Question mark. And so we'll begin uh, with what Jesus began to teach on prayer. Uh, he said, teaching us the model prayer, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and here's our text, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, we want to look at this passage of Scripture, and we need your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And Holy Spirit, you just teach us as you would. Help us to submit and to obey you and your word. And Father, would you just be with our nation today as the votes are cast, and truly let your will be done. In Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. When we talk about whose will being done, we need to ask whose will is really important to us. I can remember, I've shared parts of my call experience with you before. For those of you that haven't heard it, it, it uh, to my shame, is not one that it's a good call experience. I began to feel God's call really upon my life at 12 or 13 years of age. I had been an ornery uh, child and a little bit disobedient, but you understand there's no such thing as a little bit of disobedience. Uh, Samuel taught us that uh, to disobey is as the sin of witchcraft and uh, to not listen to God, to not obey is, is as idolatry, okay? And so there's no such thing as a little bit of sin. But I had two teachers about my fifth or sixth grade year, and one was Mrs. Smith in Sunday school, and one was Mr. B. I never did remember his name. He always just called, wanted us to call him Mr. B. Uh, both older that taught us in RAs on Wednesday nights. And those two had learned the secret of, of having a good class was keep me right beside them, keep me uh, engaged with things, and by that I mean uh, Mrs. Smith would make me do my memory verse, and then if I didn't get it done, she didn't care if she embarrassed me or not. It was my homework. And he would do something similar about the mission stuff, and did I read my book, and what was the story about? Made me give a synopsis of it, which I did not like, but did me a lot of good. Anyway, God, because of those two individuals and their commitment in getting the Word of God into me and making me pay attention, began to work in my life, and I knew something wasn't quite right, and when I talked to the pastor about it, uh, we determined God wanted me to do something, and I needed to surrender that. Well, I began to make deals with God. Well, I'll be a Sunday school teacher, or I'll be a, at that time, I wanted to be a coach and a history teacher. I'll, I'll do that, or uh, maybe I can be, like mom wanted me to be a lawyer. I'll be a Christian lawyer, and so if y'all do this or that and the other, and still no peace would come. And in talking to my pastor again, what he basically told me, you're trying to make deals with God. 
You're not really wanting to do His will. You're wanting to do your will. Well, that didn't just scare me. It made me mad. And I spent the next three or four years uh, doing everything I could not to surrender. Basically, <clears throat> I swole up like a toad frog and said, I shall not be moved. And God began to use different things in my life that, yes, you will be moved. And so finally, I accepted God's will my junior year of high school and surrendered to be a pastor. But what has that got to do with this passage? So we come down through here and he says, Our Father in heaven, which speaks of our relationship, hallowed be your name, which speaks of, of us wanting to live a life that makes God's name holy. And then your kingdom come, and we should desire God's kingdom to come. And then finally our text, which says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, not your will, God's will. May God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what specifically does that mean? It means that it should be the burning desire of every Christian. You hear that? The burning desire of every Christian to find and to follow God's will. It should be our desire, just a consuming passion, to find and to follow God's will. I didn't know it at the time, but God was just wanting to love on me. He was just wanting what was best for my life. Even though I didn't want it, He knew what would make me happy. He knew uh, what could be done. He knew what He wanted done. And I had to come to the point of accepting that, and you do also. It may not be full-time Christian ministry, but it will always be a burning desire to seek, to find, and to follow God's will, wherever that may lead us. And so, two or three things about that. When he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does Jesus really mean by that? So I want to start off with, with the first point, which is a biblical definition. A biblical definition is that the Bible speaks a lot about God's will. Now, it breaks it down, I think, into two ways. Specifically, in reference to God's design. Okay? Uh, and sometimes in reference to God's demands. So when Jesus is teaching us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what is he meaning? Is he meaning God's, God's design or God's demands? And I think it's a little of both here as we walk the Christian life. And we're going to get into that and explain it just a little bit. But we need to be willing to pray that and surrender that to God. Whatever you've designed, whatever your demands are, that's fine with me, God. I'm willing to follow. That's the way we're going to be happy. That's the way things are going to work out in our lives. That's the way we're going to be blessed. That's the way that we're going to find peace and contentment and fulfillment in the life God has given us. I did not say that's the way that's going to lead to no trouble. I did not say that it was not going to involve hardship. I did not say it would be confusing from time to time. I did not say it'd be easy. I said it would lead to contentment and peace and fellowship with God in a special way. Now, that leads me to point number two, God's ultimate design. Often when we say this model prayer, we just sort of skip over that, thy kingdom come, or thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And really, when we talk about and understand what God's design is, 
it, what we're really saying is, God, even though I don't understand everything that happens in my life, I yield it to you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I know that you are doing thy will and let it be done. In other words, I understand that my knowledge is limited. Do you understand that your knowledge is limited? Do you understand that only God knows what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or however long he gives us? Only he. Do you understand your power is limited? My power is limited. God's power is unlimited. He knows what needs to be done and he has the power to bring it about. But we realize that in the midst of discovering and following God's will, surrendering to it, that God's presence is going to be with us. And so we can say, I know you. I know how you work. You're my savior. You've always blessed me. We can say, I trust you. Every problem I've ever had that I've brought to you, you've taken care of. Do we understand that we can say, I know you will never leave me nor forsake me. You're not going to call me and not equip me. You're not going to call me and be with me. You're not going to have me do this or that for the purpose of failure, but this or that for the purpose of your glory. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to pray that prayer. That's the same thing that the Apostle Paul told us in that, that, that verse that we're always quoting in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 28, where it says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then he tells us that purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Brethren. I seem to not be able to speak today. And what he's saying there is, look, you know what you have for me in my life. You know where I fit in your kingdom. You know what needs to be worked out. You know where I need to plug in. You know what you want to accomplish through me so that you can gain glory, so that all things can work together for good. Even those things I consider bad, you can still gain glory and work them for my own good, even though I don't understand it. But it starts with this, God's design, his ultimate design for you and for me. And that is to bring glory to himself by having a love relationship with us. That starts with surrender. We surrender to believe in him and place our faith in Christ and repent of our sins. We surrender to allow him to be the boss and Lord of our lives. We surrender to seek his will and to follow his will each and every day. Because again, my knowledge is limited. His is unlimited. My power is weak. His is everlastingly strong. I can't always have those that guide me all the time, except God's presence will never leave me. So it's very important that I find myself seeking his will, knowing his will, following his will. Are we concerned about that? I meet too many Christians that say, well, God really doesn't care what I do. God doesn't really care about this or about that. I don't find that in Scripture. How could God not care about what we do or how we do it or when we do it when he tells us that he loves us enough that he knows uh, how many hairs we have on our head? They're numbered. When we're more precious than the birds who fall from the sky and they're precious to him, but we're more, worth more than that. 
that even though we can't grow an inch or, or change our hair color, except by some fancy made dye, <clears throat> fellas and ladies, uh, God knows it. He knows it all. He knows our laying down and our rising up. He knows our thoughts before we have them. And he knows what we're going to say from afar before it's even out of our mouth. We can't hide from God. We can't run from God. God knows us. And in that knowledge, we should take refuge. It's too wonderful for us. But even in that knowledge, he loves us because we have a relationship with him through Christ our Lord and Savior. Therefore, it should be important to us to find God's design, God's purpose for our life. Because when you find God's purpose for your life, life makes sense. In the midst of this pandemic, life can still make sense. In the midst of everything that's going on in our country, life can still make sense. In the midst of social injustice and violence, in the midst of, of uh, one blaming one side blaming the other side, the old blaming the young, the young blaming the old, I said that Sunday, we need to understand God's purpose lets life make sense. It, it makes life worth living. Because we're not living for ourselves, we're living for Christ. We're serving Him, we're investing in eternity, in His eternal kingdom work. Because we're seeking His will. That should be something worth pursuing, is His design. Uh, then we come to the daily demands, daily demands. To pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, refers to the daily demands of God. You see... What does he have in daily demands from our life? You see, God expects us to do certain things, to act a certain way, to live a certain way, and to live righteousness. In uh, chapter 5, verse 48 of Matthew, during that, that Sermon on the Mount, it said, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. We can't be perfect. He gave us an unattainable goal except that he provided Jesus Christ, the perfect one in righteousness who never sinned, to be our guide, to forgive us our sins, to indwell us with the Holy Spirit. Do we understand that the Bible plainly says he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, uh, to be sin or become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's how we're going to live. According to Christ's righteousness with the Holy Spirit filling us, with the Word of God guiding us. There are daily demands. And as you look at Jesus' life, that was His top priority. We need to understand that. His top priority was to be pleasing to the Father. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says uh, to the disciples they'd gone into the Samaritan village to get uh, something to eat and they came back and and uh, they thought has anybody brought you something to eat and he said listen my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work in other words his purpose was to please the father we can go to john uh, chapter 6 verse 38 and it says these words to us it says for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If we're going to obey Jesus, if we're going to be like Jesus, if he is our example, then knowing God's will should be of utmost importance to us. It should be our priority. 
And we need to understand that. So it was Jesus' priority, all right? But we need to ask what's important to us. What's really important to us, all right? Is it God's will? Do we want what was important to him to be important to us? And discovering his will and following his will should be equally important to us. We can tell a lot uh, by what do we place our priorities on. Uh, Jesus had told us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, notice what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. God's ultimate will for us to be saved. Then we get into his daily demands to live a right life, to do his will, to obey his commands. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And here he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. How are we going to know God's will if we're not striving to find it and follow it? It's not a matter of my life is my own. I can make myself happy. That is a lie from the pits of hell. We were bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. Our bodies are not our own. They belong to Jesus. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. He resides in us. Do we understand that? Do we do that? Do we even think about that on a day-by-day -day basis? In Matthew 12, beginning verse 47, Jesus tells us something that on the surface seems a little confusing. It says, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. And one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. They thought Jesus had lost his mind, getting in all these arguments with the powerful people of his day. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? You know Jesus knew that. And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here, my mother, my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven. You're starting to catch the import, uh, the importance, uh, the priority that Jesus placed on the will of God. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It should sort of rattle our cage. It should make us sit up and take note. It should make us think, who am I living for, myself and my desires or God and his desires? Whom am I serving, myself and those that I love or the world that Jesus gave me to touch for him? What am I accomplishing? Just those things that, that give me the glory or that which glorifies God and God alone? Are we seeking God's will and following it? Are we making it a priority? Now when I say that, I realize that this is not a pledge. This is a prayer. It's not a promise, it's a petition. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's that going to happen? when we obey. But we also need to ask ourselves a, a very important question. How is God's will done in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat and wondered, 
Well, exactly what did Jesus mean by that? How is God's will done in heaven? Well, if I'm reading a lot of people smarter than I, there's some things that we need to understand. First of all, it's sincerely done in heaven. Those in heaven are obedient. They love the Lord. They're going to sincerely do His will. When God says to do it, they're going to do it sincerely. Don't be like too many like me who have to argue with God or how can that be so or they got to have God's proof that this is this. No, just sincerely do what you know you've heard from God to do. Then do it completely. Don't leave things half done. When God says to do this, we keep doing it until He gives us something else to do. We don't quit. We don't fall by the wayside because of criticism. We're not destroyed by others making fun of us. We're simply obeying God and following His will that's been revealed to us. And He reveals it through Scripture, first of all. And the Holy Spirit will speak it to our heart. He'll give us that impression. This is what you need to do. Then we seek wise counsel from Christian friends and they say, yes, I can see God doing that in your life. And then we look at circumstances and God like line up the circumstances but remember Satan can arrange circumstances so you don't just start with the circumstances and, and then get somebody to give you an attaboy and think you're doing God's will you start with prayer and Bible study and let the Holy Spirit speak the word into your life and my life and then we start seeking God's will and we hear and we understand and then God lines up everything else that's the way we know it see it's God's will is done completely it's done sincerely. It's done joyfully. What joy there is in following Christ. I've been on both sides of the issue, rejecting God's will and accepting God's will. And let me tell you, it's a lot more fun when we accept God's will. When you read the book of Hebrews, it says, any son who is loved by his father is chastened. That means discipline. God is not going to let us just get away with everything and not bring discipline into our lives because he loves us too much for that. And when we don't live a Christian life, we bring shame to the name of Christ. We've all done it. We have to ask for forgiveness and repent. And he will. But we don't want to do that. And then the last way, it's done constantly in heaven. God's will is constantly done in heaven. It isn't, well, I'm going to do your will on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, God, but I get Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, and Sunday's up in the air according to what's going on. See, it doesn't work that way. We're either doing God's will or we're not doing God's will, and we're going to do it uh, constantly or not at all. You're not part-time servants. You're not part-time saved. You're not part-time Christians. Too many have this idea that Christianity is this easy walk and I can live my Christian life on Sundays and maybe Wednesday nights if I feel like it. And then that's it. No, 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 no. My Christian life is where I work. My Christian life is at home. My Christian life is in my neighborhood. My Christian life uh, is where I play and what I do and who I do it with. My Christian life encompasses all of my life or very soon it will encompass none of my life it's sort of like this how do you go away from God and suddenly you find yourself well, where'd God go God didn't move we did it's how does a cow get lost one clump of grass at a time see one thing I've learned about cows you can have one small hole in your fence and my cows will find it but they can never find their way back because they get distracted over here and they get distracted over there. And pretty soon they just say, hmm, wonder how I got over here. And I have to go get them. And God has to come get us. Don't do that. 
So his will in heaven, if we're really praying that, we mean it's to be done sincerely, completely, joyfully, and constantly. But you said, remember, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he's really saying here when he's teaching us to pray, you can do much after you pray, but you can't do anything until you've prayed. Does that make sense? You can do a lot of things after you've prayed because you're seeking God's will and you're surrendering to God's will and he's lining you up to his will. But if you do it beforehand, you're going to go here and there and bump and, and get scraped up and wonder what's going on. I've heard people tell me, I don't have time to start my day with prayer. You don't have time not to. Even if it's just a brief prayer of confession of sins and asking for guidance, you need to start there. You can pray later more, but you need to start acknowledging who is really the Lord of the day. It's our God, our Savior. And His will needs to be done, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And think about that in the context of how many people need to know Jesus. His will is for them to be saved, to have an experience with the gospel. His will is for us to pray for others who are in dire straits, who might be sick and afflicted, who have lost jobs and loved ones, and, and they need the Holy Spirit's help. And we can't be with all of them, but we can pray that God will be with all of them and that His power will reign over them. We need to be praying His will to be done to build a hedge of protection around our children and our youth and our senior adults and, and those that we love so that his will be done in their lives, not Satan's will. Satan comes to kill and to destroy, okay, and to maim, to steal, to kill and destroy, okay? God says, my will is they have life and have it more abundantly. And that doesn't mean things. It means peace, contentment, joyfulness, satisfaction. There's a vast difference between being happy, which is based on circumstances, and being joyful, which means Whatever the circumstance, we've learned to be content, as Paul said. Philippians chapter 2, I wanted to close with that. We know in Philippians chapter 2, we had the great Christological passage that Paul says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. There's the will of God. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others interest of others there's a will of god let this mind be in you which is also in christ jesus there's a will of god who being in the form of god and i consider it right to be equal god but made himself of no reputation there's a will of god taking the form of a bondservant a slave and coming in the likeness of men being found in the pits of man he humbled himself there's a will of god became obedient even to the point of death there's a will of god even the death of the cross. But because Jesus did that, it says, God also has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every bow, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, and they will do that. Therefore, because of all that, and those ways you see God's will being done, therefore, my beloved, Beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. When we save ourselves, no. It means we continue working. 
to be more like Christ. It continues, we work for our Bible study and allowing Christ to have more of our will so that we have His will and not our will. Do it with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure, the will of God. The final thing I want to say is this. It doesn't matter who wins this election as far as eternity because Jesus is the Lord of eternity. Now, I think it matters towards our country. I think it matters specifically on how long God will put off judgment. I think we're headed there. I think that's already set in, in stone. But in God's mercy and grace, we can have a little bit more reprieve time. You can't do the things our nation has done and not experience God's judgment. Just as his own people did, but God kept putting it off, giving one more chance for the righteous to linger longer. So no matter who wins, whenever we find out, because there's probably all kinds of problems, lawsuits, there's going to be riots in the streets no matter who wins. But, but hear me, God is still in control. Be nice about it. If your candidate loses, be gracious. If your candidate wins, be gracious. Don't poke fun at people. Don't rail against people. Be gracious. And be praying, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because that's what matters. Have a good night, church. Thank you for tuning in. See you next time.